Alright, so uh, this morning I went running uh, after we dropped the kids off at school. First time I've been running in a long time, like, and probably way too, way too long. It's been, been several weeks, if not a couple months. Um, this winter, every, every December, the first weekend in December, the city of Memphis has the uh, St. Jude Marathon. Have you guys heard about this? St. Jude Marathon and Half Marathon, and there's a... Uh, there are 10K, all different variety of distances um, that, that people in Memphis and from all over really gather and they uh, run to help raise money for the Children's Hospital, the St. Jude Children's uh, Cancer Research Hospital. Um, you know, se- several of you guys, upperclassmen, have, have, have run it before. Um, Jackie and I have run it the past, past several years, and I am way behind. On, like I said, I'm not running a long time. So I was like, hey, if I'm going to run this thing in December, I need to like, get back in the habit again. right? So I just ran, ran a couple miles this morning. Felt good to stretch my legs again. Felt good to get some water after, right? Uh, and so something that happens when you're training for like a distance run, you add, just add a little bit of mileage each week. So like add a mile each week, mile and a half each week uh, to work yourself up to 13 miles or 26 miles or whatever you're going towards. Uh, and something that happens, this happens to me every single year as I'm adding mileage, as I'm going up and up. Uh, if I'm just running one, two, three miles, I don't bring anything with me. Right? Like, I don't, I don't want to carry a water bottle around if I'm just going to run, you know, for 20, 30 minutes or so. I'll just get a, get a drink of water when I get back to the house, right? But if I'm going to be running five, six, seven miles, I'm going to be out there like an hour, then I do want to have some water with me because if I get an hour out there running, I'm going to get pretty thirsty, right? Uh, and so every year, without fail, this happens where uh, it, it's time for a long run, five, six, seven miles. And, and I forget a water bottle. I run some trail where there's not like a water fountain or anything. And, and yeah, I get out there about 50, 50 minutes out there and I am desperately thirsty. <sighs> like I'll drink anything, right? Like if I run by a stream, it can be like dirty and have bugs in it and be like, that looks actually pretty good because I'm so thirsty I'm going to die, right? Uh, and then when you finally get back to the car, if you at least remember to bring a water bottle in the car, and sometimes it's not until you get back to the house and you finally get that drink of water, oh my goodness. Like that's super refreshing. You guys ever had... That experience where you maybe worked out or played a sport or you just got super duper thirsty and when you finally were able to get a drink of something, oh my goodness, right? Or maybe sometimes when you get a cold, you guys ever had this happen where like you're stuffed up so you breathe through your mouth all night and you wake up and you've got like the most dry, dry mouth ever uh, when you get out of bed and you're like, "Ah, I just need something to drink and you get that first drink of water. Okay, I'm a human now. I can start my day, right? Um, I want you guys to picture in your mind, man, that feeling of being incredibly thirsty, and, and getting that uh, getting that refreshing drink of water, right? Getting to, getting to drink that, maybe it's Gatorade for you, but that cool, refreshing uh, man, man, drink of water that, that satisfies, and you're like, oh my goodness, okay. I'm human again. I can make it through this, right? I'm okay. Uh, we started a series last week uh, looking at the book of Jeremiah, the, new, the uh, Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Um, last week when we opened up, we're looking at God's call uh, upon Jeremiah's life there in Jeremiah chapter 1 where God, God calls Jeremiah to be uh, a prophet, calls him into the ministry, says, I want, to, I want you to be my uh, prophet, my mouthpiece to the people, speaking my word to the people. Michael, would you mind closing that door for me? And uh, I'm going to make you a prophet to the nations. We talked about God's calling on Jeremiah's life and something that he says when he's calling Jeremiah, he says that, uh, man, I had this plan for you to be my prophet to the nations before you were ever born. 
right? I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. I had this plan for your life to call you to make you a prophet to the nations. And elsewhere in Scripture, we just see the same thing. We see King David talk about, uh, God, you knit me together in my mother's womb uh, and, and with a purpose and a plan for my life. In fact, every single one of my days, you have written in a book somewhere, uh, you knew every single one of my days before a single one of them came to pass. Uh, and we talked about how, I mean, God has a plan and a purpose for each of us. Right? Well, we're not even born yet, right? Before we've even taken our first cry, taken our first breath, uh, as God's putting us together, He, he does it with purpose. Uh, that not a single one of you in this room is an accident. God created you on purpose and with purpose. And we trust that and part of the adventure of life is finding out, okay, God, why did, why did you make me? What specific things do you want me to do and to accomplish? But last week we talked about the general purpose God has for each and every one of us is the same, and it's to know Him to be in relationship with Him through Jesus uh, and to enjoy Him, to glorify Him, uh, and to share Him with other people. Uh, if you missed last week and you want to catch up on that, um, all of Kyle's messages are recorded and they're available on the website, uh, chialphamemphis.com or, um, and also on, on iTunes, the Kyle from Memphis podcast. There. You can go back and listen to that. But, but that's the general gist there, that God created you uh, with a purpose. He's got a purpose for your life. Uh, and, and, and same as he had a call upon Jeremiah's life, he's got a call upon your life as well. First of all, calling him to himself, uh, call, calling you to himself, calling you into relationship uh, with him. And so we're picking up today in Jeremiah chapter 2. Uh, as, as Jeremiah, um, God through Jeremiah, paints this uh, vivid picture, this vivid illustration, this metaphor uh, that we're going to see continue throughout the rest of the book of Jeremiah and really echo throughout the rest of Scripture, uh, this vivid picture of a fountain. In fact, that's what tonight's message is called, just the fountain, the fountain, um, where, where God paints the picture of himself as this uh, refreshing, life-giving fountain of water uh, that he bids us to come to and like the song we sang about, drink deeply from. Drink deeply from and be satisfied. Uh, and so let's look at it. We're going to pick up in, uh, pick up in Jeremiah chapter 2 um, as God is, is speaking to a people man, that, that were once close to Him, but, but they've drifted far away. Jeremiah chapter 2, we're going to be picking up in the second half of chap, uh, verse 2 there. It says, This is what the Lord says. I remember how eager you were to please me as a young bride long ago, how you loved me and followed me even, though, even through the barren wilderness. In those days, Israel was holy to the Lord, the first of His children. He's saying, speaking to His people, and He says, there's a time when He used to serve me faithfully. Right? It was like a, that honeymoon period, right? Where you were like the, the bride with her, with, her, with her new groom, you know, or, you know like, like the groom with her new bride, that you were in love with me, that you were faithful to me, that you enjoyed me. And there was a time that you served me faithfully. Um, and verse 5, it says, this is what the Lord says, What did your ancestors find wrong with me that led them to stray so far from me. They worshipped worthless idols only to become worthless themselves. He says, man, there's a, there's a time when you were close to me, when you were focused on me, when you worshipped me. Uh, and it says, when Israel was holy to the Lord. That means you were my special people set apart for me, uh, for, me to, for me to bless uh, and, 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 uh, and, and exalt. Um, but then came a time when apparently your ancestors, man, your, your parents, your grandmas, they found something wrong with me because they began to turn away from me and start turning towards idols. 
So start turning the, to worship the gods of the neighboring countries, worship gods that they carved out of rock themselves or carved out of wood or they invented themselves um, or just placed other things other than God as the focal point of their life. Maybe, uh, maybe relationships with other people, maybe, maybe their career, maybe just God got far from their minds uh, and they made other things God in their life. And it says, your ancestors, they worshiped these worthless idols and in so doing, they became worthless themselves. And, and, and so what, what is God talking about here? That when we worship worthless things, and when we make the focus of our life worthless, empty things, man, we become empty. We become worthless ourselves. This is something I want you guys to get. Our identity is tied to what we worship. Your identity, your value, your worth is tied to what you worship. That which is the focal point of your life. And the Lord says when you worship worthless things, man, you become empty uh, you become empty. You become worthless yourself. Uh, the things that we focus on, man, they, they have a way of defining us. The things we make the focal point of our life, whatever it is, that permeates us and it shapes our identity. It shapes who we are. It begins to define us, our identity, our self-worth. And if we allow certain things, if it's people, uh, relationships, activities, hobbies, the things you do, the things you participate in, if they have a bigger focus in our life than the Lord, then those things become idols to us, Right? And we begin to try to find joy and fulfillment in those things instead of trying to find our, our joy, our fulfillment, our purpose in God. And so an idol doesn't have to be something you carved like out, out of a piece of wood that you found, right? Or it doesn't have to be man, something, a, a statue in your house somewhere that you bow down to. An idol is anything that takes God's place in your life. Anything that you are more focused on uh, that gets more of your attention and affection and excitement and passion and joy than Jesus, and that thing's become an idol. And, and, and God says, because that thing cannot ultimately satisfy you, well, that means one day that thing's going to let you down, right? And if you've made that thing the focal point of your life, then when that lets you down, your identity's going to be crushed. Uh, your self-worth is going to be crushed. Um, and so we begin, we begin to try to find joy and fulfillment in these things instead of the Lord. Uh, and when those things disappoint us, and they will, we're going to be crushed. So think about it this way. Let's say you make... Uh, your career and the focus of your life that you, you make you graduate from here you guys get straight A's uh, you're on the honor roll right you, you graduate with uh, you get all the different stripes and fancy accolades uh, you get your pick of the top job in your field uh, you climb your way up that corporate ladder um, you're getting raises and bonuses uh, and you make your whole life about that career right your, your whole focus is on that job and doing the best you can so you can be as successful as possible and if your whole, uh, if that thing's the focus of your life and your identity is wrapped up uh, in who you are because of that job, because of that career, I mean, what happens the day that company has to lay you off, right? What happens the day you get, you get fired, your department gets downsized? If your whole life was focused on, on that career, then what happens when it's gone, right? What if you make uh, another person the focus of your life, um, and a, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, uh, or, even, or even a non-romantic relationship, you make that person uh, the center of your whole life. That, 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 man, I don't even know what life is without, without this person in it. Uh, that, that they get the most of my, my thoughts. They get the most of my attention. They get the most of my love, my affection. I'm totally focused on this person. Um, and, and, and your identity gets tied up in what this person thinks of me, right? Uh, that, that, that if this person man, is pleased with me and they like me, man, I'm at the top of the world. If this person's mad at me, frustrated with me, man, I'm depressed, I'm down in the dumps. Uh, and my whole identity is tied to what another human being thinks of me. And what, what happens when we lose that person? They leave, they move away, we break up, they pass away. 
if they, if they were the focal point of our life, if our identity was wrapped up in another human being, then that's going to disappoint us, right? Only God can really satisfy the deep longings of our heart. Only God can satisfy uh, and the, those deep needs that He's placed within us, the deep needs for, for love that only He can fill, for purpose and meaning that only He can fill. And only when our identity uh, is in Him, right? Only when our identity is rock solid in Jesus uh, is, is it going to be secure, right? Jesus is the only thing that's not going to disappoint us, not going to let us down. And what God's saying here is that if we make anything else the focus of our life, um, other than God, that thing's going to disappoint us. And because our identity is tied to what we worship, we're going to find ourselves empty uh, and worthless. We're going to have our identity is going to be a mess. Our self-worth is going to be a mess because uh, we've made the focus of our life something else other than the Lord. A way to know if something's become an idol in your life is think about how much your identity is tied to that thing. So think about what would happen if I lost it. Only in Christ are our identities secure. We belong to Him. We're His and He is ours forever. When you put your trust in Jesus and ask Jesus uh, to, to, to save you and make you right with God, um, when, when He forgives your sins and you're adopted into the family of God as a son, as a daughter, and you belong to God and God belongs to you forever. And nothing you can do can change that, right? And your identity at that point is, is secure in Christ. Uh, and, and if you focus on God, you make God the focal point of your life, and that identity is secure. God's not going to disappoint. God's not going to let you down. It's like Anna was talking about. Uh, you know, you know God's, God's got your back, right? That doesn't mean there's not going to be tough days and hard times and difficult seasons. But man, God's got you, and He's going to see you through it, uh, and He's going to help you. And like we talked about last week, He promises to be with you, to be with you every step of the way. Another way to determine if something has grown to be an idol in your life is how much of your time and thoughts does that thing dominate, right? Does this thing take up, man, man so much of your, of, your, of your thoughts that's all you think about, right? So, so just think for me for a second, where does your brain go when it daydreams, right? You don't have anything to do, you're just sitting around. What's the thing your thoughts tend to drift to most often, right? Um, that thing might, be, might, might have a big, big focus in your life. Uh, you know, what are the things that take up so much of your time, right, that you don't have time to do other things? Uh, if there's anything in your life that takes up so much of your time that you don't have time to spend in God's presence, you don't have time to pray, you don't have time to read the Bible, and that thing might be an idol for you, right? If, if it's taking up so much of your schedule, you say, man, I don't have any time at all to, to, to spend with God, any time at all to spend in prayer, any time at all to spend in the Bible, I'm just too busy, um, and something's got to give, Right? Something has grown too big in your life. It's become an idol. And, and again, it's not, it's not a statue you carved that you're bowing down before, but it is an idol. If it's taken up so much of your time, you don't have time to spend in God's presence, right? So, I mean, look at your own schedule. Look at your own life. What are the things that maybe... And these aren't bad things. These are good things, but they've just grown too large in your life. They've become too big of a focus, so they're taking your attention away from God, right? That idols are not, not always sins. They're not always evil things. Often they're good things, that have taken God's place. Good things that have gotten too big of an emphasis. And when a, when a good thing and becomes a God thing in your life, then it's an idol, uh, and it's going to disappoint you. It's going to let you down, right? Because uh, God says, man, I'm the only one that can ultimately satisfy those deepest desires that you have. Only when your identity is in me is it going to be solid and secure. So then Jeremiah continues to this illustration that I was talking about in, in verse 13. And if you guys can get a hold of this, I'm telling you, this is something uh, I've been chewing on for a while. I told you guys last week I've been preparing uh, to teach on this for a while. And some of you guys have been in Cal for a while. I've heard bits and pieces of this. Those of you guys that came with me to the Dominican Republic this summer heard a version of this translated into Spanish. 
Um, this is something God's been dealing with me on for, for a long time. For a long time. And I've not mastered it. I'm not speaking as one who's gotten it perfect. I'm, I'm speaking as one that's still learning. But if you guys can get a hold of this, if you guys can get a hold of this concept, um, it's going to transform your life. It's going to transform your relationship with God, how you relate to God, and how you live in this world. Um, let's look at it together. Verse 13. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. God speaking to the people through Jeremiah, and He says, For my people have done two evil things. They've abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they've dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. So God here, He's painting a picture. You can visualize it. Uh, picture a fountain right before you. The most amazing, glorious fountain that you can imagine, whether it's like a natural fountain, a natural spring bubbling up, a man-made fountain. Anyway, the water coming out of it is... It's fresh, pristine, cool, crisp. Uh, and you drink of this water and it's the best thing you've ever tasted, right? Like Memphis water, I have the opinion, is the best water in the world. I've not been everywhere in the world, but everywhere I've been, oh, man, Memphis water is better. This is even better than that, right? So, so picture a fountain flowing with an abundance of this fresh, clean water. God says, I want to be a fountain of living water that you can come to and drink deeply. And I want to satisfy those deepest desires of your soul. And the desire you have uh, for, for love, for intimacy, to be fulfilled, to have purpose and meaning. I want to satisfy all those things. I want you to come to me and get in the fountain and just drink and drink and drink until you're done. Like there's no rush. Just have as much of me as you want until, until you're totally satisfied. That's what I want. And that's available to you. That's available to everyone. He says, man, come and I want you to drink deeply. But here's what y'all do, to, do instead says, you've abandoned me. I'm the fountain of living water, and you've abandoned me. You've turned your back on that fountain. And instead, it says, you've gone and you've dug wells for yourself. A cistern is, is, is another word for a well. You've dug for yourself a cistern. You've dug yourself a well. Uh, and it says it's a cracked well that can hold no water at all. Right? So you've got this. You're, you're desperately thirsty. You've got a fountain of life-giving water and abundant supply. And you say, no, I'm good. I'm going to go, I got my shovel, right? I'm going to just go dig my own well over here. I'm just going to, I'm going to see what I can get to, right? You dig like a foot or two down, and then you get down into the mud and, right? You try to slurp up maybe like a little teaspoon of water you found after you dug a little while and go, mmm, that was good. It wasn't. Mmm, that was good. Oh, man, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I went through all that trouble, right? Uh, And God says, this is what we do again and again and again. It's foolish. It's ridiculous. But this is what we do. Man, God here is here available to all of us, saying, just come and spend time in my presence. Let me love on you. Let me, let me satisfy those deep desires of your soul. Spend as much time with me as you want. Just soak it up until you're done. And then you can walk out in the world full of the purpose of God, full of the love of God. God's already satisfied those deep desires that you have, so you're not walking around on empty, doing stupid stuff, doing foolish stuff. God says, that's what's available to you, but instead of going to God and letting God satisfy those deep desires of our souls... We look for satisfaction in anything and everything else, right? Anything else we can try to find meaning in, try to find purpose in. That's what we go to instead, right? We get our little shovel and we, let's dig a little hole here, see if we can find some water. Okay, no, this is pretty disappointing. Let's go dig a hole over here. And so, so our life ends up littered with these holes, with these cracked wells where we've dug down to try to slurp up a little bit of muddy water uh, but it's disappointed us. So we just moved on to the next thing and God says, man, I'm right here. A fountain of living water. I want to satisfy you. I want to meet those needs. Uh, but you keep turning to other things instead. And this is what Jeremiah is saying here. And this picture he paints of a fountain of living water, this metaphor is something that we see echo again and again throughout Scripture. 
We see it echo throughout the rest of the book of Jeremiah, other places in the Old Testament, and then it comes back around with Jesus, um, where, where God's saying, man, I'm here. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to meet your needs and satisfy you, and you can have as much of me as you want. Come and drink deeply. But what God sees us do again and again and again is try to find satisfaction in other stuff instead, to try to find meaning and purpose in other stuff instead. Jesus calls back to this metaphor of a fountain of living water. Um, this is one of the ways that he identifies himself as God. So, hey, remember how Jeremiah, talked, the prophet, you know, hundreds of years ago, talked about God being a fountain of living water? Jesus says, I'm that fountain. I'm that fountain, right? He says it in John chapter 7. Um, John chapter 7, uh, verse 37 and 38. It says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and he said in a loud voice, Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow within him. He says, if there's anyone thirsty, right? If you're walking around this life uh, and life has left you dry, life has left you desperate, hungry, thirsty, uh, you're you're, you're longing for something only God can fulfill. If anyone's walking around thirsty, man, come to me and drink. Come to me and drink deeply. Have as much as you want. Uh, and the scripture has said, man, as you, as, you, as you drink of me, fountains of fl- uh, rivers of living water will begin to flow from within them. How do you drink from this fountain? Right? Jesus says, come to me and drink. How do you do that? Uh, by believing in Jesus and trusting in Jesus and pursuing Jesus. You know, it, ta- it takes us putting our trust in Jesus, asking Jesus to save us, asking Jesus to do for us what we can never do for ourselves. Jesus, would you save me and make me right with God? God, God uh, man... You can see my life. It's a mess. And here's all the things that I've done wrong. And God, I'm sorry. God, instead of my own ability to do really good, to impress you, because that's impossible, God, instead put my trust in Jesus and the perfect life He lived and, and the death He died on the cross in my place, the death that I deserved, right, as punishment for everything I've ever done wrong, and Jesus took that punishment instead on the cross so God could extend us grace and mercy and forgiveness. And the first step is just believing on Jesus for that. Saying, Jesus, I trust you and what you did on the cross to save me and make me right with God. And forgive my sins, restore that relationship with God so I can come into God's presence whenever I want and drink deeply from Him. So it's trusting in Jesus and it's pursuing Jesus with all your heart, making Jesus the focal point of your life. Not your career, not your school, not a boyfriend or girlfriend, not a hobby, even if you're really good at it. Uh, Making Jesus the focal focal point of your life and pursuing Jesus with all your heart. Uh, and spending time in His presence each day, man, that's how we drink deeply and be satisfied in Him. Believe on Jesus, trust Jesus, and pursue Him. Jesus said clearly in, in, uh, in, in the Gospel of John that no one comes to the Father except through Him. No one comes to God except through Him. Jesus is our bridge uh, to God. He connects us to God. And, and if we want to come to the fountain, if we want to come to that fountain of living water and drink deeply, we've got to come through Jesus. Uh, to the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. This is the way he said it. John chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 10. He's having a conversation with the lady next to a well, right? Uh, that's what we call an object lesson, right? Or an illustration. He's sitting next to a well, uh, and he's talking to this lady who's drawing water at the well. Uh, and verse 10 says this, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked Him, and He would have given you living water. Right? There's the callback, the callback to Jeremiah and that, that picture of a fountain of living water. Uh, Jesus asked this woman, would you draw me a drink out of this well? 
uh, get me something to drink. And she explains how, man, Jesus, I can't really do that because I'm a Samaritan and, and you're a Jew and our people don't really socialize. Also, I'm a woman and you're a guy and we're not supposed to talk. Uh, and so, and, and Jesus flips it and he says this. He said, if you really knew who I was, you'd be the one asking me for a drink, right? If you knew who I was, man, the Son of God, the fountain of living water, man, you'd be coming to me saying, saying can, I, can I drink of you? And he continues in verse 13. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water, talking about the water in the well, is going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, if you, if you, if you drink from the living water of Jesus, are you going to get physically thirsty again? Yes, of course. He's talking about spiritually, uh, you're never going to be in that place of desperation again of that lostness again, that hopelessness again. When you turn to Jesus and allow Him to satisfy those deep needs of your soul, um, there's not going to be a lack. You're going to have abundance in Him. Everything else in this life is going to leave us empty. It's going to leave us thirsty. When we put our trust in Jesus, He saves us and He puts His Holy Spirit in us. That Holy Spirit makes an intimate connection with God. Uh, and, and, and through that intimate connection, we can drink deeply. That's what he's talking about. The Holy Spirit becomes uh, that fountain of living water inside of us, springing up to an eternal life. And when we put our trust in Jesus and ask Jesus to save us, man, He forgives our sins. He adopts us into the family of God. And not only that, He places His Holy Spirit inside of us. He comes and lives in us and through us by His Spirit. Uh, that Spirit gives us access uh, to, to God at any time. Uh, and, and is a way for us to drink deeply from that fountain of living water. Any moment, man, it could be home. Uh, it could be, man, you're, you're at home and you're, you're sitting by the bed and you're saying, man, God, I need you. I just need you right now. And boom, right there, man, fountain of living water. Drink as much as you want. You could be in class, right? You're done with your schoolwork, but there's still like 20 minutes left. And you're like, God, I need you right now. I need you here. You can be on the road and you're stuck in traffic and you're desperate and you're anxious and you're frustrated and say, God, I need you right here. But because God is everywhere and because through the Holy Spirit He's living in you and through you, it doesn't matter where you are physically. You don't have to be by a well or a water fountain uh, meant to, to, to turn to that fountain and just drink deeply of God. Say, God, I need you. God, there's some frustration here. There's some angst here. There's some anxiety, some depression here. There's something in here that's empty that I need you to fill. God, God, would you just love on me? Would you satisfy me? I want to drink deeply of you and be satisfied. The Holy Spirit within us provides that intimate connection to God uh, and that fountain that we can drink deeply from so God can satisfy and fulfill the longings of our souls. So how do we come to Jesus and drink through Him? Uh, How do we come to Jesus and drink deeply from Him? Um, Man, we just spend time in His presence. Block out that time in your day. Now, whatever your schedule looks like, uh, you've got to be blocking out some time with the Lord. If it's first thing in the morning when you first wake up, awesome. If it's like at night before you go to bed because you're more of a night person, and if you try to spend God with God in the morning, uh, you'd be like all groggy. Uh, man, you know you, right? If there's a time in the middle of your day, you've got this hour break between some classes, that can just be your God time to spend time in God's presence. In Kyle, we call it bento time, B-I-N-T-O. And what that stands for is built in, not tacked on. Some of you guys have been a Christian a while and, and, and you, you mean to have these devotional times, mean to have times with God in prayer and you think you're just going to tack it on somewhere in your day. Like if I have time, God, later, I'm going to tack on some time, we're going to have some good prayer time. But then your day gets busy uh, and you don't work it in, right? But instead, man, build that into your schedule. Look at your day, uh, look at your week and say, where can I build in these times with God just to drink deeply from Him? Drink deeply and be satisfied. Spend time in His Word. Spend time in prayer. Love on Him and allow Him to love on me and satisfy those longings of my heart.
So do we come to Jesus uh, and drink deeply from Him, or do we try to find meaning and fulfillment uh, in empty things that can't really satisfy us, like digging those cracked wells that hold no water? Because God says, that's what I observe my people doing. I'm here, I'm available 24-7, but what I observe my people doing is turning and digging these wells for themselves. It'd be like if I came home from work, right? I've been on campus all day meeting with students, and I come home. And this is Jackie. This is my wife. She is an amazing cook. Anybody ever eaten anything Jackie's cooked? Like brownies or cookies or like some of y'all had like legit meals. Um, She's a good cook, right? And so let's say I come home from work and she's made me this spectacular meal. Like she's been working all afternoon, right? All my favorite foods are laid out on this table and it's smelling good. And I'm hungry, right? I had to skip lunch, whatever. Um, I'm not eating in hours. and, And man, it's a good looking meal, right? The kids are all sitting around the table. They're, they're ready. They're waiting on Daddy, right, to, to sit down and eat. Um, she's, she's provided a feast, right? Every good food that I could want to eat is there. And I walk in, and I see this that she's provided for me. Uh, and instead of sitting down at the table and getting down on that meal, I say, you know what? That looks good. I can tell you worked really hard. But I'm good. In fact, I think I'm going to go out in the yard. And I'm just going to kind of kind of dig around in the grass, see if I can find something to eat out there. Right? See if I can find some sticks or like some dirt or berries or something. I'm just going to see maybe some grubs, some worms, some bugs. Uh, I, know you, I know you worked hard and this meal looks fantastic. I'm going to go see what I can find outside. All right? No hard feelings. Right? That's absurd, right? That would be absolutely absurd. If you guys did that to your mama, what would she do? Right. It's absolutely absurd. But God says, man, that's the kind of nonsense we do to him every day. He says, I'm the fountain of living water. I want to satisfy every need you have. I want to, and not just physical needs, right? We're talking about uh, emotional needs, spiritual needs. I want to satisfy every need you have in your heart. And we say, and that sounds nice. But I'm good. Let's see. Let's see what I can do. Let's see if I can try to find meaning uh, out of this hobby. Like if I get really good at this hobby, that'll make me feel valuable and like my life has meaning. Or let me see if I can chase after this girl and, and, and if she'll go out with me then, and, and date me. Maybe, maybe I'll feel loved. I'll feel like I matter to someone, you know, and that'll make me feel good. Let me chase after this. Let me chase after that. And, and God said, man, that's foolishness. That's foolishness. There's a lot of good things that he's placed in your life. But he doesn't want you to make those things the focal point where those things become God for you. Because then they're an idol. And they're going to let you down. And they're going to disappoint you. And they're going to drive a wedge between you and the Lord. God wants you to come to Him to be satisfied. Come to Him and drink deeply. Again, how do we drink deeply? By taking time each day to spend in His presence in prayer. Spend time in His presence in His Word. uh, Spend time in worship. And just allowing Him to love on us and fill us up with Himself. Taking time each day to spend with the Lord and just drink deeply until we're done. Drink deeply from that life-giving fountain. And the other thing is, man, so, so part of man living for Jesus uh, and, and trying to live a life that pleases God, man, there's things in our life that don't please God that we try to stop doing, right? Things that are temptations to us, things that are sins to us, things that are uh, destructive habits that we know, hey, i got to stop doing this. Like, this is not good. It's not good for me. Uh, and it doesn't honor the Lord. These are things I need to stop doing. Um, Man, that's the other key to stop doing those things that we keep returning to again and again. It's just coming to God and drinking deeply and letting Him satisfy and whatever it is that we keep turning to that thing to satisfy instead. Taking time to spend with the Lord each day and drink from that life-giving fountain helps us to resist sin and resist temptation. If we allow Him to satisfy those deep needs of our hearts, we don't have to walk around on empty. Um, think about how you feel when you're physically hungry. Right? Think about, man, the last time you were super, super duper hungry. Um, and, and how being really hungry makes you do stupid things, right? Like, let's say you're trying to eat healthy. Like, you, you've made a commitment, like, man, I've eaten my garbage for like a month. 
this week, and starting today, I'm getting on that diet. I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to eat like stuff with green leaves. And I'm going to eat like, like stuff that's not full of high fructose corn syrup. I'm going to eat some healthy food. That's what I'm going to do. And you wake up and you eat that healthy breakfast. Man, I'm off to a good start. I ate that healthy breakfast. I'm going to eat healthy lunch, healthy dinner. But your day gets kind of busy, so you, you skip lunch. And then, and then as, as the day goes on, you are super hungry. And remember, you've made this resolution. I'm going to eat healthy, right? I'm going to eat fruits and vegetables. I'm going to eat, eat, eat stuff that's good for me and good for my body and not just put garbage in my mouth. But as the day wanes on, you get hungrier and hungrier and hungrier. Okay, and then you, then you, go, you, you go into the UC and you walk by man, that convenience store and they got like some Doritos or some Flamin' Hot Cheetos. And stuff. I mean, I said I wasn't going to eat that stuff anymore, though. They got some peanut M&Ms, though. And, and I was going to eat healthy, but, but I'm starving, right? So, okay, come on, come on. Let's just, let's just eat it. Uh, and we end up eating garbage, and, and this, is, this is the cycle. You guys are all human beings who have experienced this, right? Um, when we walk around on hungry, when we walk around empty, we're not making our best and brightest decisions, are we? No. Um, but think about, uh, so that's how you feel when you're really hungry. Um, think about the opposite. Think about how you feel when you're really full. Like when you're just super duper full. Um, my favorite holiday, my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. I don't know how y'all feel. Uh, Christmas is good. Easter's good. Uh, there's something about Thanksgiving, and it's the food, right? Um, and you guys have have moms, grandmas, aunts, uncles that can really cook, and like Thanksgiving, you'll be looking forward to it for the next couple months here. Yeah. So think about think about you. You you go home for Thanksgiving or whatever you do. Uh, you sit there, and uh, man, they've got all the best foods, right? And you've been eating, eating the turkey, eating the ham, eating the, the stuff, and eating all the casseroles and whatnot. Whatever your favorite stuff is, you're getting stuffed on it. Um, it's the first course. You, you, you've gotten the second course in. You've crammed in all that can physically fit into your body. It's time to go change into, like, the stretchy pants, the sweatpants. You are stuffed. You guys have that feeling before? Where you're stuffed, it's, like, borderline painful. Like, I'm uncomfortable. Like, if I eat anything else, I'm like, right? Um, and you're ready to do, to do one thing, and that's go and just lay on the couch. And, and if you're a guy, maybe just watch some football. Um, and, and, or, you know, if you're uh, a girl, might go take a nap. Whatever it is. Um, but you're, you're, you're done eating, and you are absolutely stuffed. You guys have, have had that experience before. We just ate and ate and ate, and you are done. I can't possibly eat another bite. So, so you, you've eaten. Uh, you pushed away from the table. You've got your stretchy pants on. And then, and then mom calls you into the kitchen and says, Honey, I, I need you to run an errand for me. Um, I'm, I'm trying to pack up all these leftovers, get them in the fridge, get them in the freezer. Um, but I realized I ran out of Tupperware. Like, I didn't have enough. I need, I need some more Tupperware. I need some more baggies. Can you run down to the grocery store? You run down to Kroger. Uh, get me some more baggies and Tupperware. Uh, and, 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 then, and then come back and help me out and package this up, right? Again, you are crazy full, crazy stuff. But you love your mama. So you say, Yes, ma'am. Uh, and, and, and you go, you drive down to the store, right? And so you're, you're walking down the aisles. You're, you're heading towards the, uh, the Tupperware aisle, the plasticware aisle, the Ziploc baggie aisle to get the stuff you need. And you walk by, um, you have to walk down the aisle of like chips and junk food to get there, right? And so this food that would normally be really appealing, like think like what is your favorite junk food type food? Um, Again, it's, maybe it's Oreos, maybe it's chips, maybe it's whatever. And any other day of the week, like you'd be like, that's going in the cart too, right? I, I might need some of that too. Uh, but this is, you just had the second course of Thanksgiving, and, and you're so full it hurts, right? And you're walking down, and the things that would normally be tempting, right? Things that would normally kind of tempt you, you're like, ugh, that's disgusting. I can't even think about putting that in my body right now. I'm so stuffed. You guys hear what I'm talking about? Um, it's the same way with the Lord. God wants you to be so satisfied in Him that all the things in this world that normally trip you up, that normally tempt you, 
man, that normally, even though you know you're supposed to resist, you end up giving in to them because you're hungry. He says, I want you to be so satisfied in me that those things don't trip you up anymore. That like on, the, like on Thanksgiving Day, you'd be so full of me that you walk by those things and it's like, no, absolutely not. I'm good. He wants you to be so full on man, the good stuff, the real thing, uh, and that those cheap and empty counterfeits the world tries to offer you are just, are just disgusting. Like, no, no, I'm good. God wants to satisfy those deep desires in your soul in that way. That's what God wants to do for you when you spend time in His presence. And I want you guys to, to start thinking about sin, start thinking about temptation in that way. Every single sin, every single temptation uh, is a cheap imitation, a counterfeit for the true satisfaction and fulfillment that can only be found in God. Think, think about the things that trip you up. Think about the sins, uh, the things that tempt you, the things you fall into, the destructive habits you find yourself doing. It's like, man, I know what, I shouldn't do this. Every single one of those things, if you think about it, it's just a cheap imitation, right? A cheap and empty counterfeit of true satisfaction that you could find in God instead. Let me use some examples, right? So think about uh, sexual sin, right? Uh, you know, sexual sin with a guy or a girl. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe something like that. Um, and why, why are we drawn to that stuff? Um, sex in and of itself is not bad. Who invented sex, right? It's God, right? God invented sex. He's got a purpose for it. Um, and in the meantime, if you are, are not a married person, right, uh, you still have that deep longing for, for intimacy. Um, and, and so uh, th- that, that deep longing that God put, you in, put, put in your heart for intimacy, for love, that's something that he wants to satisfy, right? He wants you to spend time in his presence. He wants to love you like crazy where you feel loved, right? Where you get to experience love and closeness and intimacy uh, in, in, in its ultimate, most pure form. But when we, we don't let God love on us, we don't let God satisfy us, we walk around this world with an intimacy deficit, with a love deficit. And so we turn to some foolish stuff just so we can feel love, just so we can feel intimate or close with somebody, close with something, even for a second, even if it's fleeting, even if we know it's stupid, but man, we just need love, right? God, God made us to need, to need love. And he says, I want to satisfy that. And I want you to be so full of my love that when these things come by to tempt you, you're like, no, man. I don't need that junk food. I just ate it filet mignon, right? I had the real thing. I don't need that, right? Every single thing, every single temptation. Um, man, man, there, there's, I want you to think about what, what's underneath that that God wants to satisfy. Maybe, maybe it's gossip. Maybe talking about people gets you in trouble, right? I'm not asking for any, any show of hands, right? Because that's, uh, that's, not, what, that's not how we do. Uh, but maybe, maybe, maybe your mouth gets you in trouble. Maybe talking, talking about people gets you in trouble. And, and afterwards, you know it's wrong. It's like, why did I do that? Why did I say all that? I didn't need to say all that, right? But it just came flying out of my mouth. Why do we do that, right? What is in us that makes us, makes us want to like gossip and tell, tell people's business that's not ours to tell? Uh, and if you think about it, man, we have inside us a deep need to, to, to feel like someone cares what we have to say. We want people to listen to us. We want to know our words and our thoughts are valuable to somebody, Right? And then we think maybe if I just talked about my day, if I just told Mark about my life, then maybe it wouldn't be that interesting, right? Maybe he'd be kind of bored with just plain old me. So I try to work in some juicy stuff, right, to hold his attention, right, to make it more appealing, right? Uh, and God says, I'm sitting here, man, and I want to listen to everything you have to say. I'm sitting here. It's an open communication line 24-7. Man, come and spill your guts to me. Come and let me satisfy that need you have to be listened to, right, to feel like someone cares, to feel like your words matter, um, and you're a precious son, a precious daughter of God. Every thought you have, man, every, every word you say is, is important to him. It's valuable, and he wants to listen to it. 
And if you let him satisfy that desire, man, you have to be listened to, right? To feel like someone cares about what you have to say and get just filled with that. It's going to be a lot easier to resist the temptation, man, to tell Mark something I shouldn't be telling him, right? To tell someone else's business or, or try to work something in there to make it juicy or whatever than it needs to be, right? Every single temptation, man, is that way. Every single temptation, man, there's something under the surface that God wants to satisfy and only God can satisfy. And we get in trouble because we try to satisfy it in something else. God's saying, hey, come to me. Drink deeply. I'm going to meet those needs you have so you don't walk around hungry, uh, do stupid things. We say, God, I'm good. I'm going to go, I'm going to get my shovel, right? I'm going to go dig this hole. I'm going to see what kind of, see what I can get into over here. And that, that's how we get caught in the, get caught in the net of temptation. That's how we get, get caught up in these sins. Uh, trying to pursue satisfaction in something else that isn't God. Turn into those cheap, empty counterfeits the world tries to throw at you. Right? Those cheap, empty counterfeits the enemy tries to throw at you. Um, and that's what gets us in trouble. And I want you to start thinking about your sins and temptations that way. What is the need that you are turning to those things to satisfy? And how can you instead satisfy that thing in Christ? And, and maybe you don't know. Maybe you say, God, I don't know why I keep messing with this sin. Bring it to Him in prayer and say, God, there's something down there. Uh, that, that I need you to satisfy, right? Maybe, it, maybe it's selfishness because we've got deep down, we feel like uh, we don't really trust that, that God's going to take care of us and meet our needs. So we feel like we've got to manipulate the situation. We've got to put ourselves first, right? We've got to be prideful. We've got to be selfish. We don't really trust the Lord. But God says, I want you to bring you to a place where you trust me with your life so you don't have to manipulate things and you don't have to be prideful and you don't have to be self-centered, amen? But, but think about the temptations you struggle with. We're going to have a chance to pray here in a minute and, and say, God, would you satisfy me? Would you meet those needs where I can walk around on full, like Thanksgiving Day? And, and when those things come along trying to tempt me, I can be like, Psh, no, man, I've had the real thing. Right? I'm good. I'm satisfied. Uh, and toward the, the, those cheap and empty counterfeits that normally trip us up, don't have any pull on our affections, right? Because we've drunk deep of the real thing. We've drunk deep of the Lord. So the challenge here from God and Jeremiah is to come and drink deeply from Him and allow Him to satisfy those deep needs, those deep longings of your soul. That's what God wants you to do. That's your challenge. That's your takeaway uh, for, for, for today uh, is to, to, to spend some time in God's presence and build into your schedule routine time in God's presence every day and not get in a hurry with it, but just sit in God's presence. Man, sit with His Word, spend some time in the Bible, spend some time in prayer and say, God, would you just fill me up? Right? Whatever those needs are, would you, would you satisfy every single one of them? Would you meet every single one of them where I'm not walking around on empty? God, let me feel your love. God, let me, be, let me know that I, I matter to you, that I'm valuable to you. Let my identity be secure in you so I don't keep trying to fulfill it and all, and all these other things, right? Uh, next week's going to be the second part of this, right? So we talked about the life-giving fountain. Uh, but we also talked about because we've been looking for satisfaction and other things, uh, our life is littered with these, these holes that we've dug, right? These pits that we fall into again and again and again. Uh, and so next week we're going to talk about, man, man how, do, how do we fill in those holes? Um, and how do, how do we resist temptation? Um, how, how do we man, build that into our life where we turn, turn to God for satisfaction uh, and, and, and we don't get tripped up by those same sins, those same temptations again and again? What do we do with all these wells that we've dug? Uh, that's going to be next week. We're also going to be building on some of the other concepts we see in Jeremiah.